Good morning, everybody. Uh, we're past the fourth and the big holiday season uh, of fireworks and everything, but my neighbors still think it's the fourth, and so last night at midnight they were still shooting fireworks, and so I'm hoping that the Sunday after is the end of fireworks because I love them, and I'm a pyro, so I love to shoot fireworks at you, so don't ever go to the fourth with me because I will shoot them at you, but that's another story. But I'm hoping that for baby's sake, we're, we're done with that. So we're a few days past, and uh, I hope everybody had a great holiday and, and uh, celebrating America, and everybody's happy. So uh, I want to say, if you're a first-time guest with us, and I saw a few this morning, man, we're pumped that you're here. And uh, in just a second, I'm going to tell you, Mickey's already hit on this about the vision of this church, but I'm going to tell you about a conversation that I had this week and, and how it fits perfectly with our vision and, and how we believe that God wants us to, to help people that are hurting. This church does not exist uh, just to be a hospital for, or a, a hotel for saints. We, we don't, we're not here to make you love us and to make you happy. We hope you're happy every Sunday. Uh, we hope you love this place, but we're here to help people that are far from God, that are hurting. And um, so I'm going to tell you about this morning. So this, uh, we've been doing Roots. This is week five, and this is a doctrine series. Uh, the, the, the core values, the things that we believe in our faith. And so this summer we're taking and we're just going through uh, the eight things that are in our, on our website, and we're just trying to go through one by one, and so there'll be three more weeks after this, and, and I'm really excited um, about what God's doing and what I believe he's going to do today, and so um, my mom is very supportive of our ministry, and she asked me this week, um, I think I'm going to come and bring my grandmother, my mima, and, and she said, what are you going to preach on? And I said, I'm going to preach on Jesus. Oh, really? That, well, that's a novel idea. That sounds good. And I was like, no, for real, for real, I'm going to preach on Jesus, and I, I guess it caught her off guard because she asked me that all the time, and just to be a jerk, because that's what I am, and to get her off my back, I just, she, what are you going to preach on this week? I said, Jesus, and so this week, I'm literally preaching on Jesus, and uh, so it was very funny, because she had the look on her face like, well, that's amazing that you'll actually preach on Jesus and not the Quran or something, so anyway, it was funny, but um, there's no name that I would rather preach about than the name of Jesus. There's no thing. This is, for a pastor, the ultimate because it's a layup. It's, uh, it's hard to screw up a message on Jesus because he's so amazing, because he is why we have hope, because he truly was born of a virgin, like Luke 1 and Matthew 1 tells us and like Isaiah prophesied was going to happen. He truly is the King of kings and Lord of lords, came to this earth incarnate, which means meat, Carne means meat. He came in flesh. And it, like John 1 says, his word became flesh and dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. He, was, he is the Alpha and Omega. He's the bright and morning star. He is so much more amazing than words can comprehend. And so to get a message in one week, because I told Leah last night when we were talking, I said the problem with doing doctrine series on, and one of them is Jesus, is it could be a year-long doctrine series because there's so much amazing stuff to talk about. And so I just decided to simplify it and give a verse, one verse, where he described himself. And so the disciples are sitting around, and, um, and Thomas says to Jesus, it, when they're talking in, in John chapter 14, he's like, you're talking about all this stuff, but we don't know the way. Like, tell us how to get there, because we don't know the way. And this is how Jesus described himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6. He says, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. And so today, in, in our message, I'm just going to give you truths about the three ways that he described himself and show you how cool it is when you really just, like if you're scanning the Bible and you read, I'm the way, the truth, and life, no one comes to the Father except through me, it's a cool verse. But when you really start digging in there and getting to the roots of what he's really talking about, it's amazing. So will y'all pray with me? God, this morning, as we talk about your son, the reason that we have hope, because he came, born of a virgin, died an awful death on the cross, so that we could be given the right to be called the righteousness of God and made it all sealed and happened with the most significant event that's ever happened in human history, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that today, we celebrate you, and we're excited, and we love you. Amen. So before I give you the points and um, go into it further, I want to tell you about this conversation that I had uh, this week. And um, a, a guy that's here, and I already told him this morning I was going to talk about it, so I um, one of our uh, students, one of our uh, youth in the church, we're real close and I've known him for a long time and he called me um, a few times on Thursday during the uh, 4th of July and, and so I'm, I'm trying to figure out where can we can watch fireworks and we're, we live in Seattle now so it's freaking raining and so I'm, I'm trying to avoid the freaking six and a half inches it's raining as I'm trying to find fireworks for Leah. So it's just miserable when I'm going through, and I don't even see that he's called me a couple times. So um, we're, we're shuttling back and forth. We had found fireworks, like, right in our neighborhood, right across the street, and I'm like, this is awesome, and then, whoosh, whoosh, and, you know, it starts raining. So I'm trying to get all the kids together and figure out what we're going to do, and so he calls again. I was like, it must be serious. So I answered the phone, and it was his friend. And for since I don't want to embarrass his friend, I'm going to call him Joe. Joe called me and said, hey, man, I've got, I've got to ask you some questions. I'm struggling really bad. And in his life, he's faced some really difficult stuff. He's made some bad decisions. And he should, for all intents and purposes, be in jail right now. And um, his, both of his parents have had cancer, some really difficult things. And in the course of a 30-minute conversation, where we, where we finally got with Joe is, um, I'm too bad. This is what he told me. I'm too bad to go to heaven. God doesn't want me. God doesn't want me. I, I, he said, I'm telling you, man, if you really knew what I did, and like I wanted to, I was in my office, I closed myself in and told Leah, just give me a minute and, and let me talk to this guy. And I, I wanted to cry and I wanted to punch my wall and I wasn't mad at him at all. It's, I was frustrated because I couldn't talk him into believing the truth of what Jesus is saying right here in John 14, 6. And so I need y'all to know why we have church. And this is why I said I'm gonna kind of piggyback off what Mickey said. There are so many people in our community. This young man lives very close to this church, and he's living right in our community, and there's people walking all around us that feel the exact same way that he does. You guys are in the church, so you must be good enough. And if you go to church, this is what people believe. If you go to church, then you're good enough and you get to go to heaven. And you know what? That's not true. None of us, including the people that go to church, deserve heaven. And outside of the grace of Jesus, we don't get to go to heaven, and we don't get to have a relationship with God. And it's not about what we do, it's about what he did, and it's about the sacrifice that he made, and it's about the trust that we have in him by placing our hope and trust in him as Savior and Lord of our lives and asking him to forgive us of our sins. But we're not good. And the awesome thing is y'all believe that, 
and y'all support that, but this guy is convinced that because he didn't go to church the last several years, because he looks different, he said, dude, I'm telling you, I know what you're saying. I mean, I, I hear you, and I, I don't think you're lying to me, but I'm telling you, God doesn't want me. And like, I just, I just teared up, and I got like sick to my stomach, because he, Joe, is why we do church. Because there are so many people far from God. And this morning, I wish he was here. Those are the people that we want in this church to reach the least, the lost, and the lonely. He, he fits all descriptions this morning. And to see their lives change as a result of the gospel of Jesus. That is why we do church in all nations, in all nationalities. We don't care what color. We don't care what sex. We don't care anything about that stuff. We just want to reach people that are far from God. And that is why I'm excited about preaching on Jesus this morning is because the way, the truth, and the life is the only way that can happen. You see, Aaron Hernandez has killed two people allegedly. Three people allegedly now. They're accusing the other one on him. And one for sure. The tight end from the Patriots that is the number one thing in the news the last couple weeks if y'all hadn't seen it. And right now, if he got out on bail, we would welcome him in this church. And we would love on him. And by the way, we believe with every ounce of our being that he could trust Christ and be saved. That's what we believe, and that's what kind of church we want to be. We don't, we're not going to let the child molesters come back and work in our kids' ministry. But we'll welcome them in our church. Because they are far from God, and they are just as jacked up as all of us are. And so the reason I'm excited to preach week five is for Joe. And for any of you that are hurting... And any of you that feel far from God right now, any of you that feel like, man, I've just been struggling lately and I don't understand why and these bad things have been happening in my life, I wish I had a, a quick thing, to, a wand to wave over you and make it better, but the one thing that I can tell you for sure is there's hope. And that hope is found in Jesus. And so I hope you'll take notes on your bulletin. Uh, there's, there's a place to write these three things down, and they're simple. And, I mean, if you don't even take notes, just turn to John 14, 6, and those are the three points. But I've got stuff that I hope you'll write beside it because I think they're really cool, and maybe you didn't know them before today, and you'll get something, get a lot out of it. So I hope you'll take these notes and, and as we go through the roots of Jesus. So, number one, Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. I made these really complicated. These are tough today, so you'll probably have trouble guessing the, the second and third one, but that's okay. But Jesus is the way, and I want to explain to you what way means. It's, it's in the original language um, John wrote in Koine Greek, and um, I normally don't give Greek words because I try not to get too over-the-top deep and try to keep you with me, but I think for these three words it's important and it's really cool today. And so the word is hodos, H-O-D-O-S. If you're taking notes, I think it'd be cool to write it down, hodos, because of the meaning. The meaning of way... Uh, I don't know, like, whenever I pictured way, I, I just think, like, he's the path that we have to take and we follow, but it's a picture of a conduit or a, a thing that connects one thing to the other, and here's the key. When, when the people in the context that were hearing this, and for this case it was the disciples, when they heard this, they understood it to mean the only way. So it might be better translated if he said, I am the only way and the only truth and the only life and you can't have anything except through me because like it makes sense when we read it, but a conduit, the only way. So when I was growing up, um, every year we would go up to my grandparents' house for Thanksgiving for sure and then 
most of the time another time during the summer. And um, so they lived in Ohio, and we would drive to Charlotte on 85 and then 77 up. And the part that you dreaded was the drive on, on in West Virginia because, it, first of all, it's West Virginia. So if y'all are from there, that's your bad. But um, so it, it took forever, and, like, you know, we're just hoping we wouldn't get killed because deliverance was happening. So we're just trying to get through it. And like I said, if y'all are from West Virginia, I, that's y'all's bad. So anyway, so, but, like, in West Virginia on 77, there's these, there's, there's tunnels, and they're, they're long. And so we don't, and I know how long they are because I can hold my breath pretty well. And I don't know who, who came up with you hold your breath in a tunnel and then you honk like a thousand times. And was that y'all? But we, so we're driving and I, I hold my breath. And by the end of it, I'm like beating the dash. We got to get through this thing. And it's, they're about, there's a couple of them that I think are about a mile long and they're long. And like you could get through these tunnels if, or through these roads if the tunnels weren't there. But it'd be miserable because you do have to drive around a long way and there's huge valleys on the side. So you, or, or go up the mountain and back down. The mountains are pretty big. And so the way to get through is Hodos. They made a tunnel. It's the way to get to the other side. And that's really not a good enough description, but that's the best one that I could think of is like a conduit to get from one side or the other. And like when you're building something, um, I remember when I worked for dad, we used to, um, we did a couple um, waffle houses. And waffle houses look small, but 90% of the work happens before the shell starts going up. It happens underground. And there's so many conduits and pipes going under. And I'm going to tell you something. If you forget one thing on the bottom, you're pretty much screwed. Like you, it's really bad to forget one conduit that has to run something important. And when the concrete's there, it's locked in. And that's what I kind of thought is, you know what? If you, if you miss Jesus and the concrete gets poured in your life and it's all done, then that's what happens to so many people. And so Joe is right in this, that if he misses Jesus altogether and his last breath happens and he doesn't know him and he never meets the conduit that connects man to God, he is the perfect conduit, the connecting point. The only way that we get from God to man is through Jesus, the God-man. That is how we get from point A to point B. And it can't happen in any other way. Because the only way that you could be good enough, enough is, is if you had never sinned one time. And we know that in Romans 3.23, no one's ever done that. No one. There's not one human being except for Jesus that has lived a sinless life. And so there has to be a conduit. There has to be a way that connects the two. There has to be a way. And this is what Acts 4.11 and 12 says. This Jesus, this way, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so the first thing that I want you all to know about Jesus, this is how he described himself, is he is the only way. He is truly the conduit, the hodos. He is, he is literally the only connecting point from in the great chasm that is what we deserve, that is hell, from this earth to heaven. The only connecting point is Jesus. And he is a strong bridge that we can trust, a strong conduit that we can walk across. But the thing that's scary is we want to try to go over the mountain or we want to look around. And you have to tell yourself this right now. If you're Joe, who deserves to be in jail, or you're the person that believes you've done pretty much good, you pray every day, you've done all these things, there's not enough good. And until I come to the end of myself and start down that trek, 
that I'm going to go through Hodos and that's the only way I can go and I, I'm going to just give up and I'm going to believe that Christ is everything to me, then he'll just be something and he's not the only way and he'll just be part of your life and I believe you've probably never known him like you're supposed to. So number one is, uh, is the way or the Hodos. Number two is the truth, is the truth. And this word truth translates, it's a big word, and I'm not even going to try to tell you what it, what it is, because I couldn't describe it. Couldn't, uh, even with the, like, the little thing in the Greek dictionary that tells me how to, to say it, I, don't, I still can't say it, so I'm just going to tell you what it means. Uh, it, it translates fact or certainty, and I thought that was really cool, because for some reason we have, um, we've taken the word truth, and you know that's the truth. And we don't know if it's the truth. I mean, we just, we just throw it out. That's, that's cool. That's the truth, man. That's awesome. Or, or we use it to describe uh, basketball players, like Paul Pierce. If y'all know basketball, if you don't, I played basketball, so sorry. But Paul Pierce, his nickname is the truth, and he's really good. If, did y'all raise your hand? It was probably about five or six. How many of y'all saw he got game back in the day? He got game? Oh, watch out. There's three. Jesus Shuttlesworth was Ray Allen, so I tweeted that when Ray Allen hit the shot in game six. And his dad named him that when he was a kid because Jesus was the truth. And so we, we call people the truth and we have like these things, but a fact, a certainty, like there's no question. And so Jesus wasn't saying I'm the way, the only way, and then I'm the truth. He was saying I am the certainty, the fact that you can stand on. I am the solid rock. I am the ground that won't move. It's unshakable. That is what you can believe about me. I am the fact Can't you imagine being there and being Thomas and, and one of the disciples and hearing that I am the, the only conduit, the only possible way, and I am the fact, the ground that you can stand on? I, can't you imagine being there and going, Whew. like you've been through his ministry and you've seen him do his miracles, but do you really know Jesus? You've walked beside him, but do I really know this guy that's saying all these things? Like he's claiming that he is the ground, the solid rock, the only possible solution. The absolute 100% certainty. And this is the deal. is He's not a good person. He's not a myth. He's not a legend. He's not just a good prophet. And there's so many. I want you all to listen to this carefully. There's so many sects out there. So many different groups. That make Jesus awesome. A really good person. But anything. Listen. Anything but the absolute God man. The Son of God, God incarnate, anything but that the fact that Jesus is God who came flesh, anything less than that is heresy. It is untruth. And I believe Satan uses that for people to think that Jesus was good or, or we're going to add Jesus to what we believe and then we accept that Satan loves it because a little bit of truth mixed in with a lot of other stuff, it's got to be Satan's favorite thing because he is the... He is the author of deception and lies. And the way to get Christians is to start questioning whether or not. Listen, he's not part of the truth. Most of the stuff in this word, in, the, in God's word, in the Bible, most of the stuff isn't true. Every single word from letter to letter is true. And if we deny that, we deny the truth of Scripture, we have to accept the truth of God's word because he, in John chapter 1, he became flesh and dwelt among us. But in the beginning was the word. He is this. Everything in Scripture points and beelines toward Jesus and the cross. Every word from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation points to him. 
And the best lie that Satan's told the church is most of this stuff is true. Every word is fact, and it's solid rock, and it's what we stand on. And this is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know me, and I will set you free because I am a fact. I am the solid rock you can build your lives on. And this is the problem, guys. So I'm going to ask you the question that I normally ask at the beginning of the service. And if you're new with us, forgive me because um, I'm not doing this to embarrass you. But I just want to know, for just be honest, this past week, how many of y'all have prayed? And I don't mean before a meal or with your child before bed. I mean calling out to God, praying, not just asking for things that you need like a genie, but really truly getting to know him and being intimate with God, whether you're driving in the car, finding a closet and being alone. How many of y'all prayed seven times in the last week? Seven days, every day. Raise it high so I can see it. Cause I, awesome, it's very good. How many of y'all read the Bible every single day last week? Every single day. Raise it high, raise it high. Awesome, very good. It's much improved from the first time. I'm not fussing at you if you did it three times. That's good, so that's better. But like, what if we really believe this? That if we knew the truth, the truth would set us free. And the truth comes by reading God's word and then applying it to our lives and, and being a doer of the word because he helps us. And, and begging the Holy Spirit when I'm about to read the Bible that he'll change me from the inside out and the truth will be in me and I will be of the truth and I will make time no matter where I have to make time to be a part of that truth. And I will, if I don't like to read, I'll let it play to me like I do sometimes, by the way. I just press play on the version app. And it reads to me because I'm not the smartest tool in the shed. So I like for people to read to me. <laughs> Still like for people to read to me. But I want to know what the word says because I want the truth in me because the truth will set me free. If I really believe that, I will spend time doing that. Because whatever I spend the most time doing or believing or saying or, or I can't wait to know this truth, that is where my God is because that's where my heart is. For a lot of people, it's money, or it's a sports team, or it's a hobby. It's got to be Jesus, because that is the truth, and that's the only thing. And Satan wants anything to take your eyes off the truth. The truth will set you free. And so Jesus is the only conduit and the only way, the only possible solution from death to life, from earth to heaven from man to God, the only possible way to get from point A to point B is the tunnel that is Jesus, and there's no possible way to get across. There's not a mountain we can climb. There's not a valley we can go through. It is so massive that it cannot happen, and yet there is a tunnel that we can go through, and it's the truth of Jesus. He is the fact, the ground that we can stand on. And then the last one, and I believe it might be the best one, because it's so neat, the meaning, and it's the life. The life. The life translates... Uh, very easy. Uh, it's not like a, a big word um, that's hard to write down or anything. It's just Zoe, Z-O-E. That's what that word means. And um, if you, like, if you ever ever looked in a concordance or anything, uh, it's number two 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 two. So it's really easy to remember. And um, I just went back and looked last night. I was doing a bunch of. I, I like to have all my outlines done way in, a, in advance, and then. I look over it during the week, and then I look back through, and 
I just started looking through what this word life means a little bit more last night after we put the kids to bed, and I just had that like excitement build up in my heart uh, because of what it means. It goes perfectly with last week's message because typically it points to eternal life. Typically it points to eternal life. And every time the word life was used in the book of John, he used Zoe, he used this life, and it's a life in abundance. Like John 10.10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's Satan. He comes to, to take from you. He offers you something that looks good, and it sounds fun because the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season, but in the end, he means to bring you destruction and misery. But I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And we assume that that means easy street in earth, easy street where I'm at. And that's not at all what it means because sometimes we have difficulty on this earth, but it's fullness and it's peace. It's tranquility in the worst storms that you can possibly imagine. In the tornadoes of life that are taking place, he offers us hope. And it's through the word logos, and that means the word. In John 1, at the very beginning, it also means Jesus and the fact that he became flesh. And it's the abundance that happens through him. It's the abundance that happens when we go through that way. And we trust in him that we place ourselves on that solid rock that is Jesus and stop trying to make ourselves the solid rock that we stand on. That's when life happens. That's when fullness happens in our life. That's when abundance happens. And it's also the abundance that happens in eternal life. It's the abundance that I can have forever and ever and always in heaven with God, worshiping with the angels, lifting up in heaven with all nations and all nationalities and every person that's lifted up the name of Jesus and made him Lord of their lives. That life is promised to you. And so John is my favorite book in the Bible because there's a couple key words that he used. And life, life is one of the three key words that he used. Life, this word, this neat, this Zoe, this word is one of, is probably the central most important word besides like Jesus, the central most important word that he used. And so today, if you'll go home and you'll look this verse up, I think it's really cool. And we're going to have it right here on the screen for you. But like, there's 21 chapters in John, and the first 20 are the same, and then 21 is kind of, should be almost a book within itself because it, it kind of is separate. It's the miraculous catch, and it's a little bit different. But the first 20 verses, everything culminates to this point, John 20, 31. Everything culminates. He's, he is building. He wants you to believe all these things. So, so the feeding of the 5,000 and, and Jesus turning water to wine and, and, and raising Lazarus from the dead and... and, and all these things that happen, and then and in John 14, where I, where I preach today, the re, the death, burial, and resurrection, everything that he said, he 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 did it very different than the other three gospels. There were eight sign miracles, there were eight I am statements, and everything that he said, without exception, is because he wanted you guys, the audience, to understand this point. This point. This is it. If you read all of John today, if you take time, you sit down, you read every word that he says. This is what he wants you to believe. Nothing else. Just believe this. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the way. He's the truth. He is the foundation that Jesus is the Christ. He's not something else. He's the, he is the Christ, the Son of God. And the, by believing, and that means to cling to, to trust in, to place all my hope in. By believing you can have Neo. I'm, I'm talking about Zoe. You can have Zoe, life, in his name. You can have life in his name. There's, there's some of you here this morning 
You may have gone to church your entire lives. Or you may have never stepped foot in church anymore because you really don't think church people want to be around you. I don't want to be around some church people, so we're on the same page. It's all good. Because I'm jacked up. I don't understand why God loves me. I wouldn't necessarily love me because of all the crap I've done in my life. But here's what I know for sure. That Jesus did everything that he did for us. For you. So that we could be given the right to be called the righteousness of God. A child of the Most High. And the truth about Jesus in Scripture is he is everything he says he is. And so much more because we can't comprehend how amazing he is. But he was sitting on the right hand of God. And he stepped out of heaven. And he was born of a virgin and lived a sinless life and did miracles and helped people and preached hard and people walked away from him and didn't believe. All so he could die on the cross that was promised would happen in Isaiah and in the Old Testament. And he did all the prophecies so that he could be the way, the conduit for me, the only way and the truth that I stand on and the only thing that I can stand on and the life that I can have and his beloved disciple, the young one, the one that was 17 when Jesus started his ministry, when Jesus was about 30 and, and then for three years he watched Jesus and he never, never left his side. The only one of the disciples that later in his, in his life when he was about 85 years old, John wrote this book. And it's as a reflection of everything that Jesus did, he was an eyewitness to everything that happened and he didn't write them like Matthew Mark and Luke, but they go along so beautifully with those other Gospels. And this is what he said, that these are written that you might believe in Jesus. And that by believing in him and placing all your hope in him, making him the way and the truth in your life, that you can have life, life, abundance, freedom, freedom in his name. And that in that life, it's forever and always for all time. And this is the problem. Most of us never receive that life. And so we go through life and we try Jesus out. He says, he sounds cool. I'll dip my toe in the water. But you can't do that. Jesus isn't something you can test and dip your toe in the water. He's something that you got to dive in and sink to the bottom and just trust. Cling to the fact that you're not going to drown. There's going to be really difficult days. We don't know everything that's going to happen. But he's the truth that we can place everything in. There is no truth that I will ever preach that is greater than this truth. That he's the way, the truth, and the life. That he is everything that I've said and so much more because I can't describe it. Because I'm a flawed human and my words fail me. But unless you believe that, and I don't mean you think it in your head and you think it might be true. But I mean unless you rest in that. That's the picture of faith is to rest in a chair and know that it's true. You don't even have to think about it. Unless you cling to that truth and make it everything in your life. And so Monday morning, you can't wait to spend time in the Word. And you pray for your lost friends. And the people that are your neighbors, you want to tell them the truth of the gospel because it's in you. Because you have the way and you have to tell other people the way. Because if you don't, who will? Because if we don't, who will? What about our co-workers? They don't have this truth and this peace that we have in the abundant life of Jesus. And if we don't tell them, do we really have it? Because how can we keep that from them? God, I just don't know if I can tell people. You will if you have this. You have to. This is the greatest truth I know. That Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I don't know why Jesus loves me, but I promise you this is the truth. It's the fact that I cling to. It's what I hold to every morning. 
When I screw up, I confess my sin and he's faithful and just to forgive my sin and cleanse me of unrighteousness like 1 John 1, 9 says. And I cling to that. Same John that wrote this, wrote that. I cling to that truth that as bad as I am, if you've killed someone, if you've murdered someone and raped and whatever you can possibly imagine, or you've just stolen a pack of gum from the grocery store, we're all equal in the eyes of God. When we stand before the cross, we are all equal. And we all equally need to be saved from our sins and have the freedom that comes in Jesus. And this is what I have to ask you this morning. Have you received that freedom? Have you received that freedom? Because if scholars are right that we all love, the number one mission field in this country is the church. And the reason that's the biggest mission field in this country is because 70 to 80% of the people that sit in pews or chairs or outside in lawns or whatever the church calls itself that week because when two or more are gathered, that is the church. You are the church. Jesus is inside of you. But there's so many that put on a facade and wear a mask and look churchy and they leave and they're miserable and there's no hope in them because they've never trusted in Jesus. Or maybe you think you're too bad like my buddy Joe who I talked to on Thursday and here's the great news for Joe. And this is why I have hope. This is why I'm so excited to be here this morning. There's no one too bad. There's no one too bad. It is not God's will that anyone should perish, but that everyone would have Zoe, that everyone would have this life. But it's your job to say yes to Jesus and to stand up and say, more than I want my next breath, more than I want water, more than I want anything, I need Jesus. I'm gonna take that right now and I'm gonna forget. I'm gonna shed my pride, I'm gonna throw it away and I'm just gonna say yes to Jesus. And listen, there's people in here that you'll struggle and you won't raise your hand, you won't be honest and that's between you and God and I'm, it's not my job to save you, it's my job to present it to you. It's your job to be honest with yourself and then for everybody else, listen, if you're saved, if you're saved, and I'm gonna ask every person in here to respond in a second. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You have so much power in the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. Your coworkers, the people that work for you, the people at your school, they're dying inside. And you have Jesus. You have the conduit and the foundation and the life. Why won't you give it out? Will you bow your heads with me as we close? I want you, every person, and I want you to raise your hand so high it feels like your arm's gonna pull out a socket, okay? Every person in here. I wanna know this, this one thing. How many of you are absolutely certain you know that you know that you know that you are saved that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that you've trusted him and you've walked through that conduit and you've believed and you have life in his name. There's no doubt in my mind, Mark. I am a Christian. There's no doubt. I just want you to raise your hand as high as it'll go. Raise it high right now. I know that I know that I know that I know Jesus. Raise it high. Keep it up. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Raise it high. Thank you. Put them down. 
hey, listen, there were um, about five or six people that didn't. I'm not going to embarrass you. I swear to you. I just want you to look at me. Look at me right now. If you did not raise your hand, I just want you to look at me. Please uh, look at me right now because I'm, I'm going to talk to you directly, and I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. This is the question I have for you is, will you let pride, what other people think about you, will you let indecision keep you from getting right with Jesus? Because in just a minute, there's going to be some people that stand up and respond. And I'm going to do it different this morning. I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. I'm not even going to ask you to get up and go to the back. It's because I feel led to do it this way. I want every person in here where you sit to just pray. To just pray. And if you're not praying to ask Jesus Christ to become Lord and Savior of your life, I want you to pray for the people around you. No one knows who they are. That's not your business to find out. I want y'all to beg God that he'll do a miracle this morning. So will y'all pray with me? If you'll just repeat after me in your heart, Lord Jesus, man, I'm screwed up. I have sinned every day. And I deserve separation forever from you. But I thank you for being that conduit that connects me to God. And this morning what I want to do is place myself completely in your arms because you are the truth. You're the fact and the ground that I can stand on. And God, I want that life that's more abundant, that's full, and that's eternal. I want to be with you in heaven forever. So forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. I believe that you're the son of God and I place everything in you. Thank you, Jesus. Will you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed? If anybody in here prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm just going to ask you to follow this simple direction, okay? I want you to fill out your card and check on the box. I trusted Christ as Savior. I accepted Christ as Savior. That's all I'm going to ask you to do and place it in the back at the end, okay? If anybody in here's done that, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick. Slip it up. There was, thank you. Who else? Raise your hand. There's one person. Did anyone else do it? Raise your hand high. Mark, I just, I just asked Jesus to come in my heart. Raise your hand high. There was at least one person that did that. Can we celebrate together this morning? That is awesome. Is that all y'all can celebrate? Because I've seen y'all celebrate before, and that's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. So listen, here's the challenge to y'all is um, Melanie's going to come in just a second and do announcements and tell y'all a couple little quick things. And then the band's going to close. So here's the challenge to y'all as you leave today. Um, will y'all be the church this week? And um, listen, every person, no matter what you tell me, I promise you this is true. Every person, every person, every person, you come in contact with lost people every single week. Every person. If, if over the next six to seven weeks, we got a sermon series in August when school starts back and the whole purpose is for lost people to, to help us reach them and what it's going to take. It's going to be called Get Ready. And then we've got an amazing fall that's planned and we're going to tell you all about it during Get Ready and we cannot wait because we think God's about to do some crazy junk up in here. Crazy. We think every week is going to be the size of Easter this fall. I'm telling you. We really believe that's going to happen. But it will not happen if it's just Mark 
and Mickey and Austin and Josh and some of the other guys. It, it, it won't happen if it's us. I promise. The, the way that it's going to happen is you guys. I just believe you guys are going to catch the fire. And you're going to start talking to your lost friends. And that's who we want in this church. We'd love to have anyone, by the way. We welcome everyone. But we exist to help hurting people that are far from God come close to God. And I believe you guys are going to catch that. And this week, I think you're going to tell people. So please do that and be the church this week. Melanie.